Hey, Boston sports fans, Big Jim Murray here. As you know, our local basketball and hockey teams are having banner season. So how would you like the chance to win a pair of luxury suite tickets to see both at the Garden? You join me, too. I'm excited to tell you about Air's Boston Sweet Life Sweepstakes. From now through March 5th, you stop in at any Air or Sierra Naturals cannabis dispensary to enter. They are conveniently located in Back Bay, Needham, Somerville, and here in Watertown. The contest is open to all adults 21 and over. No purchase necessary. This is the sweet life. Please consume responsibly. This product may cause impairment and may be habit forming. There may be health risks associated with consumption of this product. This product has not been analyzed or approved by the Food and Drug Administration. There is limited information on the side effects of using this product, and there may be associated health risks. Marijuana use during pregnancy and breastfeeding may pose potential harms. It is against the law to drive or operate machinery when under the influence of this product. Keep this product away from children. There may be health risks associated with the consumption of this product. Marijuana can impair concentration, coordination, and judgment. The impairment effects of edible marijuana may be delayed by two hours or more. In case of accidental ingestion, contact Poison Control Hotline at 1-800-222-1222 or 911. This product may be illegal outside of Massachusetts. Massachusetts State License Number. MR283946, MR283886, Watertown Medical License Number, RMD325. To me, the whole thing with the finger under between the legs, antiquated, archaic, and weird. I mean, the whole thing is freaking silly. It's Felger and Maz, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, Hertz will be in the gun. Chiefs have got the lead on the field goal. 36-yard line of Philly. Shotgun snap to Hertz. Dropping back, only one person rushing. Hurts looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass, it lands at the 20, no one is there. Zeros on the clock, it's over, it's over. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal. Trailing at 10 at the halftime stop, 24-14. They go on to win 38-35. What a game. Spectacular in every way. And the red and gold confetti flying in the air. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. And let's get right back into it, shall we? Let's do it with the big boy himself, Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal. Here on Tuesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, boys. You too. Love you. I know it's an important day for all of you. Uh, Big Boy Tuesday is presented by Uber Eats. Listen up. Uber Eats is giving our listeners their biggest promo yet, and it's massive. Make sure you add promo code HUB50 for 50% off your next order. Wow. It's only good through Sunday, so don't forget to use it. Perfect for ordering dinner for Valentine's Day tonight. Again, that's HUB50 for 50% off your next order. And it's open to all users, so enter it now. Taxes and fees do apply. See the Uber Eats app for availability. Greg, want your thoughts on Super Bowl 57? We'll get into all the stuff uh, that we got into yesterday, just your take on it. We'll spin a few things forward as we go forward. I, I, I had a, just a quick uh, opening thought on the game that's occurred to me, and that is just how well played that game was. I, I was trying to think, you know, we, we were saying yesterday, one of the things that made it so great or unique or different was that there was no real goat. There was no one there was no no one really choked. You know, the, the biggest chokey play was Jalen Hurts, and he was terrific in that game. And so it's like, I don't feel anyone choked. I don't think anyone gagged. And then I went back through and just thought in my mind's eye, we barely had to drop pass. I mean, I don't think anyone dropped a pass. The closest we had was there was a deep crosser by the Eagles that Jalen Hurts sort of led the guy just a little bit too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was going right to left, and it should have been caught, but it was just, you know, 
it was just an inch too far, and the guy just an inch didn't get it. Like he could have, probably should have had it. But I'm trying to think. Other than that, was there a was there a dropped pass? Was not there... that not that I can remember. And again, you know, Greg Bedard can do a better job of like uh, defensively the pursuit angles or run fits, <laughs> and I'm, so I'm sure defensively there was some sloppiness that I just don't pick up. I just thought it was an exceptionally well played ball game. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, if you like offense and you like sort of modern offense, this was a Super Bowl for you. And I think it appealed to a lot of people in that way. Uh, was I the defense bad then? Yeah, well, certainly the Eagles. I mean, I thought, I mean, considering what was it, the Eagles had the ball, I think, for 26 minutes and they scored 38 points. I mean, that's absurd. And, and you know, Mahomes basically had a almost a completion a minute when he had the ball. I mean, the Eagles were just awful on on defense. They got exposed because they don't play much man coverage. They they don't know how to do it. It's tough to do it when that's not something in your repertoire. And they got burned. I mean, they played a lot of soft coverage, and the 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 Chiefs just when they had the opportunity just went through them. I mean, you know, Mahomes. You can't think of many tough throws that Mahomes had to make in that game. No, it's true. It, there was a, there was a handful or less. Yeah, I mean, it sort of re- reminded me of, um, you know, what Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy, their offensive brain trust, what they did to the Eagles' defense, sort of reminded me of what Belichick did to Sean McVay's offense. You know, I, I just thought that overall, in my mind, I thought the 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 coaching triumvirate of Andy Reid. Uh, Steve Spagnolo and Dave Tube, the special teams coordinator. Those guys are veteran guys have been doing it for years, sort of like early Patriots, you know, with Romeo and Charlie and Bill, um, <clears throat> Scotty O'Brien. You know, they just coached the pants off Nick Sirianni and those young bucks, his young coordinators. Those guys weren't ready for the for the stage, sort of like Sean McVay wasn't ready for it, and Bill Bill Belichick took advantage. And in this game. Andy Reid and Bienemy and Nagy really took advantage of Gannon and, and all those guys on the Eagles side. Yeah, so when I say that there were no blown play, I mean, obviously, those corners and those defensive backs in Philadelphia have had a couple busted coverages on. And the Chiefs know, did, too. Big, big touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there was a busted coverage. So, you're right. I'm not, you know, really looking at the nuance on defense. Although, those those walk-in touchdowns for the Chief, Chiefs, Greg, I like – I want to give more credit to Reed and the Chiefs scheme than I do the players on the field for Philadelphia, but maybe that's wrong. No, I, I think you're right. And we sort of talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, there's there's three ways to win in this league. You have special talent, um, you have scheme, and you have coaching in terms of coaching up the players. And when you get all three on a high level in the same year, you have a championship-level team. And I think that that's what you saw with the Chiefs between – Mahomes, and then you have the scheme, scheming guys open, and then you have really good coaches on the staff. That's what allows a team like the Chiefs, which, you know, let's be honest, they weren't as good as the Eagles. I mean, they're not as talented as the Eagles. But why all these, all those three things hit, hit including scheme, you never – what you saw out of the, the Chiefs offense in that Super Bowl, that's akin to what you see in a college football game. It's like watching the national championship where guys are – you know, they're playing soft – zone they don't know how to cover in space and all of a sudden guys there's a busted coverage and there's a touchdown like that's that's what it looked like to me I'm a little bit scared of if that's the way this league's going and I'm a little bit scared for the Patriots in that terms that that was my next question is 
Winning on defense, is that the best you can expense defensively? That's what Saban said. The best you can expect defensively going forward. I mean, during the season, those were two highly rated defensive teams, weren't they? Mm -hmm. So, and they couldn't stop anybody when they get to that game. Does that worry you, Maz, that that's what the league's become? Yes, I have felt this way for a long time. Defense in that league is basically turnovers and sacks. That's it. Negative plays and sacks. You don't stop anybody anymore like three downs and out and get a punt. It doesn't happen. It's rare. At least I feel that way. And, look, there were stretches during the year where certainly the defense in the league, like it felt like scoring was down for a long time. But the elite teams, the teams that can win championships, and I feel like they all score. They control the game with their offense, and they look to make a you know a, a turnover or a, a, a negative play on defense. That's it. I mean, what comes from college is going to come to the pros. And a few years ago, Nick Saban basically gave up as far as playing defense in college, and he realized he had to invest on the offensive side of the ball um, in terms of you know coaching and also uh, their talent. And I think Maz is right. I mean, you know, really defense is about you're trying to get a few key stops. You're hoping your offense is on par with the other team, and you're hoping to get a couple turnovers here and there. But how does that happen? That happens with speed, and that's where I think the Patriots are deficient, and it played out over the course of the season, where you look at the Patriots against – you know, they played really good defense against the crappier teams, you know, and they sort of ran up the score defensively in terms of their stats that way. But against the better offenses, this is a going on year after year where they can't stop these guys. And they, they really, they can't create the big turnover like they used to be able to when they had better skill on defense. And that's where they run into trouble. So, you want to talk some football uh, with Bedard? Not your chance to do it. 617-779-0985. Boy, you're right about that college game coming to the pros. And we always used to, like, think it was coming, where eventually a guy like, you know, I'll just use the extreme cases, uh, Tim Tebow or, you know, one of those college quarterbacks, You we always said, well, that's going to translate to the pros eventually because they're all coming from the college, and it never did. It never did. The pro game was always different than the college game, and college quarterbacks, in air quotes, didn't translate. Now, the off they're tailoring offenses to the quarterbacks mm-hmm. to play the way they did in college, and it's working. And that's what Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have done. Yeah, well, because you've taken the physicality out of the sport. Because that's not even, Greg, that's not even Sirianni's, Sirianni's offense is, is it Reed's off? I mean, what he wants to run at his heart, at his core, is he a Reed guy or a McVay guy? He, he was... Was he with Reed for a time, or no? Reed let him go. Like I forget, but didn't they sort of change? He's a, the, he's a Reed guy. Okay, didn't they change the offense for Jalen Hurts? I mean, the just look at the way they played. Oh sure. How many quarterback keepers did they run in that game? A lot between the sneaks, which are sort of different, but just the straight quarterback runs, quarterback keeper, quarterback draw. I had to run a dozen of those. I mean, he had fifteen rushes in the game. Thank you. All right, so that includes the sneaks. So call it like ten. That's a crap ton. It is. It's a lot. And the whole RPO game is a college thing. Well, I mean, and they, for and, and, and they went to the Super Bowl on it. I sorry. mean, but for years, you know, we were always like, all right, when is this coming? But there were still, you know, Peyton Manning was still in the league. Tom Brady was still in the league. You know, you do have Justin Herbert. But now more and more, all of these quarterbacks that are coming. Trevor Lawrence is a great example of, a, you know, a, he's an athlete playing quarterback that these guys are now coming. You know, the, the the guys like Tom Brady, they're now gone. And so, you know, you look at like Shane Steichen, who is the Eagles offensive coordinator, he's getting the job in Indy. Indy has a high pick. They're going to draft a quarterback, you know, one of these high quarterbacks. 
he's going to install the same offense, and that's what probably appealed to them that, you know, the six-back sort of thing with the quarterback as a runner, that's now going to be an indie, and now it's probably going to be in, you know, in Arizona when they figure that out with Kyler Murray and things like that. So, yeah, the game is is changing, and you wonder what the Patriots' part in all that Thank is. Thank you. That's going to be a theme today. So the kind of players that are playing the position, the coaches that are coaching that side of the ball, and the schemes that are being used, I feel like you have none of it. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you are swimming upstream, pissing into the wind, uh, playing from behind on like the whole thing. Oh yeah, no, no, it's a pulled pork sandwich. Which doesn't mean well, see, I don't know that necessarily means that you suck. Which again we can get to in debate. But I do know that you're running an offense, presumably, that most of the league has moved beyond. You have a player at the quarterback position playing a style that most of the league has moved beyond. And a coaching staff that doesn't look like any other coaching staff around the league or what it's evolving into. Like, you're behind on all three. I mean, off, th- off. Think of what Greg said at the very beginning of the show. That Kansas City had an edge on the coaching staff at head coach, offensive coordinator, and special te- or defensive coordinator and special teams. And it reads effectively the offensive coordinator, too. Sorry. The Patriots, how did they handle that this year? Okay, so that's just a big picture thought we'll be mining all day. We'll take your calls with Bedard. More fallout from Super Bowl 57. I have to get his take again on that uh, that penalty call at the end of the game as well. We'll do it with you right after these words. Boston's home for sports. If you get analysis paralysis choosing a podcast, then you're my people. It's like overthinking your options in the grocery aisle. A little guidance goes a long way. So I'm going to let you in on a secret. Guiding Stars. Their expert ratings are right on the shelf tags, making nutritious choices so much easier. No need to overthink, say, acidophilus in the yogurt aisle. Or is it acetophilus? It doesn't matter. The ratings are right there. Just follow the stars. Visit guidingstars.com to learn more. If you get analysis paralysis choosing a podcast, then you're my people. It's like overthinking in the grocery aisle. A little guidance goes a long way. That's why I started using Guiding Stars, shelf tags that make nutritious choices so much easier. Don't overthink it. Just follow the stars. Elder and Naz continue on the Sports Hub. Well, my, my main thought is I just hate that that's part of the conversation. Of course. It's just like officiating this year can't get out of their own way. Um, and so even if something is a legitimate call, which I think it is at the end of the game, it's still the main part of the conversation. Um, you know, when it happened, I saw the flag come. I, who, I knew which official threw the flag. I knew which player he was responsible for. So I ran back the line feed, which is the live shot that people see on television. And it was a similar pattern that the chiefs had run for two touchdowns. And, um, I saw the grab by the back of the jersey, and, you know, it's a – in what they are taught, it is a clear hold. And um, so I said immediately to the uh, producer, to Richie Science, it's a uh, defensive hold, and then I said it to Kevin Burkhart also. Um, but then, of course, you know, emotions kind of get involved, and, in, you know, and, and my great friend who I – absolutely adore Greg Olson went down the path of it being a ticky tack and call and not one that you want to call at that time, which is kind of foreign language to me in the first place. And so, Hmm. um, I think that, 
you know, we kind of compounded a bit the controversy. And, and I applaud the player, you know, who said, I held him. It's Mike Prairie yesterday with Rich Eisen. And I found that fascinating insight there. If you really want to break that down, again, that's always on that James Bradbury penalty at the end of the game. You know, there's a lot to unpack there. The first thing is that Pereira tried to get out ahead of it with his commentators, and I guess that's part of those guys' jobs now, to not just comment on what's happening after the replays are going and what do they think the call should be, but to maybe get out ahead of any uh, wrong-headed analysis that makes the refs look bad. Because Pereira said it, as soon as I saw the flag, I rolled it back in real time. Before they started showing replays, he has the ability, apparently on the live feed, to toggle back immediately and watch it in real time, not even slow motion, but just bang. So before anyone does, he goes back and looks at it quickly. That's a hold. I tell Kevin Burkhart that. I tell my producer that. I tell So he has a talk back button. So it's like, you know, he's talking behind the scenes on his talk back button. And he says, well, then, unfortunately, my good friend, like here, here we go, he's about to rip him. My good friend Greg Olson went down the, we don't want to end the game on this kind of penalty thing. And Pereira said, we compounded the problem. Isn't that sort of interesting? Yeah, and again, I like Pereira, but and I understand he's got a job to do, but I feel like he's throwing Greg Olson under the bus. Thank God for Greg Olson. So, like, you know what, so the guy's not supposed to speak his mind? Thank you. He's not supposed to give his analysis and what his opinion is on the play. And again, I, I you know, P- Pereira's been with us every year at the Super Bowl. I love the guy. I know you you think very highly oh, yeah. of him too. But it feels to me there like it's well, Greg shouldn't have said what he should what he said. Why not? So Why the, not? Why is he not allowed to say that? By the, by the way, on on Pereira, and I love Pereira too. I've talked to him over the years. You know, you guys have had him on. Uh, I made you know while I was watching the game and taking notes. At one point, one of the so you had the 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 one catch that was, uh, you know, I think was expedited review that they overturned. No, uh, the one they overturned was Devontae Smith that took five minutes. And right. Pereira said, you know, if it takes five minutes, it's not right. clear and obvious. He would not have overturned that. So the Goddard play um, that Andy Reid's challenged, yep. you know, and I made note of it. Like, Pereira was weak on those. Like, I want him to come on and, like, you're the expert. Tell me what the call should be. And he comes on and he's just kind of hemming and haunting. Like, I still think the God, I don't think that was a catch, the so, Goddard catch. So he did say on the Devontae Smith one that if it takes five minutes, it's not clear enough. He's telling you. So, like, I give those guys a little bit of a break. It's the Super Bowl. This is a billion-dollar industry. It is a rights agreement between Fox and the league, and this is their biggest moment. So it's kind of like being a team broadcaster. You can't say anything. That's going to damage the brand. There's business to be done. So, like, I get, I know, I get it. Like, we all uh, do do this business, have to live within those lines. So, I I forgive you. Like, when Tony, when Maz did the Red Sox games on Nesson, he was Tony Maserati. He was Anthony Maserati. Here he's Maz. I get it. That's life. So, Mike Pereira can't go out there and say, these idiots should have blown. And I know that's not exactly what you're saying, Maz or Greg. But he's got to walk a line. And so that's what I think he's doing there. And, you know, these guys are also there to make sure these the broadcasters don't think anything stupid and make the league's officials look bad, which is just part of the job. That's I sort of accept it. And I still think it's better than the days when they had no rule, rules analysts in the booth. Remember how bad it used to be? Mm-hmm. Like there'd be a play, the ball would be on the ground, and Dan Deerdorf would say, well, 
they didn't have control, so that's got to be anybody. like, damn, that's not the rule. It's a two feet, and like, <laughs> you know, you don't even know the rule, man, and you're just sort of fumbling around, and you know, and so it used to be really bad if you go back to listen to the games. I mean, I didn't know the rules. You'd be shouting at the TV like, that's not the rule, dummy. So I think it's good that those guys are in there, but they are they are league employees still. Yeah, he's just he he you know again uh, I don't I don't understand why Olsen has to be criticized there. Why does Olsen have to be criticized? Unfortunately, he went. Why is that unfortunate? He said what he felt, and I would also add, he said what a lot of people felt. Yeah, like there were millions of people, tens of millions of people who saw that play, and said, "How do you throw that flag?" So he's merely expressing what people are expressing watching the game at home. 100%. I, I'm all for Greg Olson. I'm all for Mike Pereira. And even though he's tisk tisking him the next day, it's mild. Uh, they both have a job to do. I'm glad Greg Olson did his. I think next time he won't. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't you feel like yeah. he's been, you know, got a wrist slap there? Yes, definitely. But, but what I'm saying, Mike, is Pereira can offer his side without saying about Olsen. Well, unfortunately. So I added the unfortunate. Did he actually say unfortunately? I mean, that, that was the gist of it. You know, we made it worse. You know, I don't know if he actually used, I used the word unfortunately, but I don't know if he did exactly. Now we're just but that was the parsing, tone of it. Definitely the tone of it. Right. We went down the road or whatever. Like, yes. Well, what do you mean he went down the road? Yeah. No, there's two sides to it. Some people thought it was ticky-tack. Absolutely adore Greg Olson went down the path of it being a ticky tack and call and not one that you want to call at that time, which is kind of foreign language to me in the first place. And so hmm. um, I think that, you know, we kind of compounded a bit the controversy and, and I applaud the player. You know, who he, said, I held him. So, again, he he's didn't wrong. use the word, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah. But, but that's the tone. But he's wrong. I mean, he's saying, like, they – they basically amplified the flames of, you know, this is the this is the Super Bowl coming down to a call. Everybody watching the game, even me, who I was okay with the call, you know, you're just like, man, I don't want the Super Bowl to end like that. Like, really? Is, it, is that really the type of call? Everybody was saying that, and Olsen said what everyone was saying at home, and that's his job to keep the conversation going. I just hope Olsen didn't get in trouble for it. But I felt in real time. The first thing I said yesterday when we came on, I said, good for Greg Olson. You're not going to get that from Brady. You're not going to get that from most guys because they're super sensitive about upsetting the league. You're not going to get it from Olson anymore, either. Yeah, that's what I think, which is <laughs> too bad. All right, uh, Greg has some follow-up thoughts on the offense, but we'll do it with your calls. Tony and Hingham, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Go ahead. You know, my biggest, the, the biggest observation I had was the – how the runs made by the quarterbacks on both teams was such a big part of that game. And your comment about the college game is probably spot on, but still I'm surprised the defenses didn't have guys. Um, what do they call it? Where they spot spy the quarterback. Guy. They yeah, just you know, spies, but yeah. Spies. Okay. So there, there's two things. What I was most impressed by was the way hurts threw the ball. And so if a quarterback can do both, how do you defend Josh Allen? You don't. Or if Jalen, you're screwed, you if, don't. If Jalen Hurts is going to be that guy, how do you defend Jalen Hurts? You, you don't because, again, it's 11 on 11. And so the point being now that someone's going to match up with the quarterback and he's either going to throw it or run it and you don't know which. But it used to be the college running quarterback. You'd say, we're not going to let him run. We're going to keep him back there and make him throw. Now a guy like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen say, all right, fine, I'll throw. So what, I, I don't know what you do. Greg, again, on the Patriots offense – 
as it relates to the direction of the league and all of that. What's your thought? Okay, so I wanted to push back sort of what, you know, on what you said about how the Patriots don't have it. I, I, they don't have it right now. I think they can get there. Look, Mac Jones ran one of the best college offenses in college history when they won a national championship. Yes, he had a bunch of weapons. You can learn from that. But Mac can run some of the stuff. He is somewhat athletic. He's a better athlete than a lot of people give credit for. You know, if I'm him, I'm working on my flexibility in the offseason. He needs to get a little bit looser in his, you know, hips and things like that to make him a little bit better athlete. But he can get better. And I think Billy O'Brien, from his experience in Alabama, from being with Deshaun Watson, I think the Patriots aren't – it's not as a foreign concept of them getting into the modern offensive game as maybe you think. Okay, Scott in Hyannis. Go ahead, Scott. Scott, Scott. Hey, guys. Uh, Hey, Greg. Just a quick point on, I don't think you can find, I mean, there's only six or seven of those guys that exist in the league. So I think what Greg just said is exactly right. You've got to try to work with what Mac is capable of doing and see if he can be a top 12 quarterback in the league and see if he's the kind of guy that can, you know, you can win with a very good offense and a very good defense. Okay. When you say six or seven, I think that's a high number. When you say elite, elite guys, there's three, right? Four, at most five in any given year, and it kind of changes from year to year. But I guess I'm talking more style, you know, Greg, but I mean, you raise a good point. I mean, Mac Jones ran that Alabama offense as college as, as, as you can get it, and he ran it as well as anyone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe there is maybe there is a path there for Mac Jones. I, yeah. You know, I do think that uh, – go, go ahead, Tony. I, I was going to say, see, naturally I see the negative in that, which is that it took that. Like, so are the Patriots going to, you know, envelop him or wrap him with talent that is clearly head and shoulders above everybody else in the league? Is that what it's going to take? Because Patrick Mahomes just won with a bunch of guys playing wide receiver that half half the people on the planet don't even know, if not more. So, like, is is, and is that, are the Patriots, like, ready to do that? Well, uh, no, but here's the thing, and... You know, this drives me crazy, and we were talking about it on TV the other night, Mike, because because last year was such an abomination for this team, for Mac Jones, for everybody, that it's almost a it's it's tough for people to remember what Mac looked like at times as a rookie in a real offense. Now, I think that Mac can do Mac if you if, and I don't mean to sound like a Patriots homer here, which I'm sure a lot of people accuse me of, but Mac has the chance to with his ability that he showed at Alabama in those modern offenses, but also he has the high-end ability mentally to, uh, when given the tools at the line of scrimmage, to dissect a defense where which is better than, say, a Jalen Hurts or Trevor Lawrence or some of these guys who came from simpler offenses who, who don't know that side of the game. Mac has a chance to be better in, in other areas that they don't. Now, I'm not saying he's going to, but he has that potential. All right, let's do three up, three down from the Super Bowl with Bedard after Murray's headlines. If you get analysis paralysis choosing a podcast, then you're my people. It's like overthinking your options in the grocery aisle. A little guidance goes a long way. So I'm going to let you in on a secret. Guiding stars. Their expert ratings are right on the shelf tags, making nutritious choices so much easier. No need to overthink, say, acidophilus in the yogurt aisle. Or is it acetophilus? It doesn't matter. The ratings are right there. Just follow the stars. Visit guidingstars.com to learn more. 
When it comes to feeding your family, wouldn't it be nice if you could support your local farmers too? Walden Local Meat offers locally raised grass-fed beef and pasture-raised pork, chicken, lamb, and more, all from highly principled farmers in the Northeast, delivered to you each month. Walden's mission is to build a stronger, more connected food system from the pasture to your door. Learn more about their plan options and monthly specials at waldenlocalmeat.com. Get the Sports Hub anywhere you go. On the Odyssey app. Boston's home for sports. 98.5, the Sports Hub. Every day they work their hardest to give you the best show they can. I think that's rare. It's Felger and Mass on 98.5, the Sports Hub. And now it's time for three. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on this drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Felder and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, three up, three down from the Super Bowl. Final uh, edition of the year. It's still brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with a triple distilled, triple cast matured, and triple blended Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. When it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. Who's your number one star? Bedard and Maz from Super Bowl 57. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know, look, he, he his stats weren't, you know, off the charts considering how much they possessed the ball, but I just thought he was tremendous. I thought he showed a... Uh, maturity. He was accurate. He basically had what one incompletion. It was a throwaway in the second half. And you just look at his playoffs overall. I mean, you know, how much was he healthy? You know, the Jaguars have a very athletic defense. You know what he was able to do there, overcome the Bengals who were, you know, sort of the thorn in their side. And then to go against this Eagles defense, that was supposedly one of the best uh, of all time coming into this game. And I just thought he was just tremendous. Jalen Hurts. I thought he was the best player on the field. I thought he had to do more for his team than anybody else out there, including Mahomes. Now, Mahomes played a perfect game, but they asked him to do less than Hurts had to do. I thought Hurts was great. Number two. Uh, I have the Chiefs O-line. I mean, that matchup, that's that's the where, I, you know, and look, the field had something to do with it. That was obvious. But uh, what they were able to do and keep Mahomes relatively clean against that defensive line and how deep they are, uh, was just it was it was mind blowing. I did not think that was possible. Nick Bolton, the linebacker for Kansas City, he you was like terrific. Him. He is a good player, man. And I'll tell you what, there weren't a lot of good defensive players in this game. Period. He stuck out again. I thought he was the best defensive player in the game. Third star, my man, Nick Bolton. I mean, I, I just think he was tremendous sideline to sideline. It's something that we'll talk about with the Patriots a little bit later. But I just thought it was interesting. You know, Nick Bolton, twenty twenty one second round pick. Leo Chanel, a, a, a guy who a lot of people picked as a Patriots-type guy in this draft, 2022 third-round pick. Willie Gay, second recent second-round pick. I mean, you know, young, athletic linebackers. That's where you need to go. Mahomes. I had Mahomes third. I mean, you can't leave him off the list. I, I couldn't, on Hurts, I couldn't put him there for the fumble. No. I mean, and, and also, look, he was pressured five times in the game. I mean, you know, yes, he made some really nice throws, but he was not under duress very much. That's what that's what b- real good pass blocking can do for a quarterback. Even a guy, you know, I think Hurts is good. I don't think he's great. But when you protect and give guys a chance to get open and him to read the field, 
It makes a quarterback look a lot better than they are. Third star. Oh, no, we did, we did three. That. Well, that was the third. I've lost count. Let's get to the good stuff. Yes, the yeah. duds. Number one dud. Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, who's awful. And it's just funny that he's getting introduced today as or named he's named Cardinals head coach. Just reminds me of when Matt Patricia went from the Eagles Super Bowl to being named Lions head coach. Hmm. I mean, you're coming off that performance where basically, you know, the Eagles didn't punt in that game and they couldn't stop the Chiefs in the second half to win the Super Bowl. And that guy gets a head job. Hassan Reddick. 16 sacks during the regular season. He's been double digits the last three years in the league. He was a force against the Niners. He was invisible in this game. The poster child for the Philadelphia defensive line that got completely manhandled. Second dud, please. James Bradbury, uh, you know, not only for the penalty, and he should have had one earlier, but I remember, you know, there were a lot of people that wanted the Patriots to go after Bradbury but he got exposed in this game because he can't play man coverage and the Patriots play a lot of man coverage and he just when they had to do that when when the pressure was on he could not do it he's just his own guy Miles Sanders running back Philadelphia for centerpiece guy for that offense and I know they ran it with Hurts and I know it had more to do with the line he didn't even catch a pass this guy's one of the more versatile backs in the league it was a 0.0 in this game last one Greg Eagles defensive line specifically, I didn't, Murray and I were just talking about this. Like when I looked at the stats from the game, I was like, I had no idea Robert Quinn was on that team. I forgot. They traded for him for a fourth round pick. He played two snaps in this game and just their defensive line in general just didn't do enough. They needed to win this game. Fletcher Cox. Again. Just like Hassan Reddick. Did he play? Yeah. I mean, again, he was 0.0. He had one tackle in the game. One. And so did Reddick. So, again, that vaunted Philly defensive line, it's impossible to not pick at that group. They get absolutely shut out. Okay, those are your three up, three down from the Super Bowl. You can comment on that. We can continue with our conversation from the opening segment as well. Leftover game thoughts, direction of the Patriots offense, vis-a-vis what's happening across the rest of the league. I find that a fascinating topic. Also, when we come back, Greg Bedard gives you five moves to rapidly improve the Patriots. Was it five or was it three? How many did five. you give us? Five. Bedard's five moves to rapidly improve the New England Patriots. That comes your way in our long commercial-free segment next. Get ready for more Felger and Maz on the Sports Hub. When it comes to feeding your family, wouldn't it be nice if you could support your local farmers too? Walden Local Meat offers locally raised grass-fed beef and pasture-raised pork, chicken, lamb, and more, all from highly principled farmers in the Northeast, delivered to you each month. Walden's mission is to build a stronger, more connected food system from the pasture to your door. Learn more about their plan options and monthly specials at WaldenLocalMeat.com. Stuck in traffic? You've got Felger and Mass. I want to vomit. It's just hard figuring out which one is worse. I, I'm not ready to answer that question. Now more Felger and Mass. 98.5 The Sports Hub. The Patriots, for the most part, put up a great fight today against the Buffalo Bills, but betrayed by their special teams unit once again, and then ultimately, Josh Allen and the Bills yep, do what they do best. They make big plays. Allen to Brown for 42, later Allen to Diggs for 49, and we see Matthew Slater as well on the field, like McCourty, in the emotional embrace, a lot of people coming over to each of them. Came and competed today, and the NFL went on today. I think that's the biggest thing for the week. 
Be glad DeMar Hamlin is feeling better. But the league goes on. Playoffs start next week. And you got to figure out what you got to do to get better in the offseason. Because reality is you're 8-9. That's what you are. 8-9 teams give up two touchdowns for kickoffs, which is absurd. 8-9 teams allow quarterbacks to sit there flat-footed for over five seconds inside the red zone and throw touchdowns. You know, 8-9 football teams, you turn it over inside the red zone. And that's why you're 8-9. All right, so that's how it ended for the Patriots in Buffalo last month. 8-9 team, how do they get better? Greg Bedard has a plan. Five-point plan, Maz. You got a pen? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Let me let me. Yeah, get, write let me it get down, Maz. Yeah, go ahead. I'm ready. We'll be jotting these down. <clears throat> It'll be a quiz later. Want to go from five to one or one to five? Are these in any order? Five to one. Five to one. Go. Ooh. Okay. So the first one is, uh, and I was stretching a little bit for this. So this isn't an immediate thing, but uh, drafted, talented, developmental quarterback. I am one of these. Uh, unless you have the guy, I am one of these guys who drafts a quarterback basically every other year. And a guy like... And look, I'm just telling you right now, when we talk about draft picks, I don't know anything, okay? I don't study the draft until April, once free agency is over. So I'm just going sort of, and I don't watch college football during the year. So I'm just going on what I have heard. The guy, Hennon Hooker, from Tennessee. Ugh, uh, guy. Really talented. I just want a guy who's going to sit for two years that Billy O'Brien can coach up. is A developmental guy that's traits that has a chance. Might not get there. But I'm taking a chance. I'm rolling the dice. Draft your Jalen Hurts. Yep. Or try. Try mm-hmm. and do it. Yep. That's okay. number five. Number four. Number four, please. I'm drafting uh, Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones in the first round. Uh, hopefully he gets there. I don't know if he will. I don't know how the, uh, how the first round is going to slate out. But I am. I have Trent Brown under contract. Uh, I am going to go in with the idea that he's starting at left tackle until a guy like Jones, some sort of rookie, can eventually take the job. Probably the rookie has to start at right tackle for the first year. That's sort of what they did with, uh, I think, Matt Light and also Nate Solder. That was sort of the plan. Trent Brown could still be a good left tackle in this league with a real offense and a real coach. Now, Adrian Clem has his work cut out for him. He's got to find a way to reach Trent Brown and get him motivated. That is not easy for anybody. Uh, He has to – Cole Strange needs a lot of technique work, but he has a high ceiling. Um, So – you know, we'll see if Clem's good at his job. I mean, it's a, it's a big risk putting Adrian Clem in that spot. Hopefully the Patriots are right. Hopefully Belichick's right. So far, I'm a little bored. How, so, do, you, how do you feel about <laughs> number four, Maz? Uh, should be up higher. Should be up higher. Again, they, you got to take a tackle. Tackle should be the first thing they do in the draft. I know you said first round. But I think it's the number one need on the team. Their offensive line blows. Number three, Greg Maz is an impressive. So I'm going to critique you along the way. Belichick has to evolve at linebacker. Um, you know, he did this in about 2012. He went away from, you know, more zone coverage and things like that when he realized that that the quarterbacks were too good. Even the crappy quarterbacks in the league were picking apart. His secondary went to more man coverage, got Tlaib, and then that led to Revis and Stephon Gilmore. So he has evolved in the secondary. It's way past time that he evolves at linebacker. I mean, when I looked at my grades over the course of the season last week, it became obvious that in the games when the defense was really good, their linebackers, Juwan Bentley, Jelani Tavai, Raquan McMillan, Mac Wilson, they graded basically an A, a 3.8 out of 5 for me. That's basically an A. When they struggled against the you know good offenses, the good quarterbacks, the, the linebackers were one. They were an F, like F minus. 
Like they are the problem. They need to get more athletic. He has to evolve. I don't. I don't have a whole lot of faith that's going to happen. But you know, look at what the Chiefs have done. Look at what other guys have done. Now there are a couple guys in the draft uh, that maybe they could trade up into the bottom of the first round. Maybe get them in the second. Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Drew Sanders is this six-five athlete. Was at Alabama. Transferred to Arkansas. These guys can run. They can even cover the slot. They can do a lot of things. They have to get a good at at least one good athlete at linebacker to compete with these teams. We're getting better. Good criticism there. Good <laughs> criticism of Bill. Number three. Number find, two. Find number two. Number two. Number, number two. two. Find a dangerous weapon. Um, you know, I don't really care. I, I. It doesn't need to be an X. It doesn't need. They just need somebody who, when he touches the ball, the defense is like, oh crap. We. What are we going to do? How are we going to defend this guy? How are we going to deal with them? I prefer somebody that is a little bit more of a jitterbug than just a straight line like Tyquan Thornton run down the field type of guy. Like, I want somebody who can stop, you know, get up to 60 miles an hour, like, real fast. Like Pacheco. Pacheco, who the Patriots, you know, I had them. I would have drafted him in the seventh round when I redrafted that draft. You know, Tyreek Hill, somebody like that. They can, you know, just make people miss and then all of a sudden take it to the house. Marcus Jones can do some of that. You know, they'll use him in packages, I would assume, at the least. Uh, but, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm open to. He, I'm not at that price. He's got to change his contract. I don't mind putting him on the outside. Him and Parker, you could figure out, put them in the middle. I'm not re-upping Jacoby Myers. I'm putting that money resources into somebody that's more of a difference maker. Love Jacoby, but they need better. Uh, I would be open to Jerry Judy from the Broncos, who I don't know how much Mac Jones overlapped at Alabama. But then again, now Sean Payton's there. You think Sean Payton's just going to you know, want to get rid of Jerry Judy? I don't know. Uh, but that was somebody like that. Those guys, and I would, I would get a guy in the middle round, third, fourth round, Somebody with upside at receiver because everybody else can pick them. The Patriots need to start. Yeah, game breaker. So I'm going to circle back uh, because you can't, you know, you now in the second round have a quarterback, a linebacker, and a receiver right. going. So, like, we, we, you know, like we, I, I'm not blaming you. We're just going to have to prioritize. Well, how do we acquire all, all the things you're talking about? And what's their number one thing that they can do quickly to get better? To me, go get a number one cornerback. Go get Jalen Ramsey. Trade him. The Rams are in big trouble as far as the cap. There's only so many things that they can do. They're you know, Aaron Donald has to stay there. Cooper Cup has to stay there. Stafford has to stay there. Ramsey's a guy you could see them parting ways with. I think there's more upside to him. He's a guy, you know, as the Rams got worse this year, you know, he took a step back, but he's one of those guys who is focused wanes. You put him at number one cornerback. I'm assuming Devin McCourty's going to retire. Maybe he doesn't. I move Jalen Mills to free safety. I have Jack Jones at number two. I have Marcus Jones in the slot. You give me that secondary with Kyle Duggar. I think I have something there. You know, look, I'm not I'm not sold on Jalen Mills. I need to see him more there. But I think that was sort of the aim. Positional versatility did some of that in Philly, where I think he has the potential to do that better than anybody else on the team. And you want them doing all this this offseason. Yeah. So, you know, to draft a real developmental guy to really follow the Jalen Hurts model, it, that he was a second-round pick, right? Yeah, but he yeah. was. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's coming off ACL surgery, so it drops him even more. Hooker, you're talking yeah. about. Okay, well, all right. So hopefully you get your co developmental quarterback in the fourth round Yeah. because you want to draft Broderick Jones in the first round. All right, so you want to evolve at linebacker. Well, you're, you're using your first-round pick on the tackle, so the, the linebacker piece is going to have to come, as you said, 
trading up into the late first round, early second. You know, how realistic are we? They can get a they can get a linebacker, you know, second round. Okay. Forty six. Plus right. they have what three fourth round picks that they could use to you know, second, third round. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Now acquire a dangerous weapon. How are we going to acquire that if you've traded or you've used your draft picks on these other things? And Just trade a future pick. Are they going to pay him? All right. So they're going to trade a future second, future first, whatever for Jerry Judy. I mean, Judy's going to be a expensive ticket, right? Hopkins less so because mm, I don't the know. So I forget who it was. I don't know if it was. Uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport said that Judy was available at the trade deadline this year and nobody wanted him. And so you know maybe the the asking price isn't that high. You give him a you know future two. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. The Patriots have to get better now. You know, while Mac Jones is on his rookie deal, you need to prove things, you know, one way or the other with him. Like, I'm mortgaging the future a little bit to get better now because they can't stay where they are. And Jalen Ramsey, um, if he's a salary dump, maybe you yeah, get him a at salary a, dump. So you so. get him at a discount. It's really the, the game with Jalen Ramsey's paying him the contract. You know, if you trade for him. Can you pay him what he wants or renegotiate with him to get, you right. know. You know, you, you add on a couple of, you know, dummy years for cap purposes, like, you know, do that sort of thing. Sure. Okay. I'm just, you know, trying to parse out, is all of this doable? The one that seems the biggest stretch to me is the linebacker thing. Convincing Bill to take someone like that Nick Bolton. When you said his height yesterday, Maz, at 5'11", I mean, he thought he would never take a guy like that. Not in a million years. We've asking him for a decade. I'm, I'm like done. I've given up. He's not going to draft a linebacker unless it's so freaking obvious, unless it's Gerard Mayo sitting there at 10 overall and you couldn't possibly pass on the guy. But they got to f- basically fit this physical mold from like 1988. Yeah, right. I know. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. Like, it, Bill's standards are impossible. They yeah, don't he ex- needs to change. He needs they, to evolve. Uh, let's see. Do, do you have any confidence that he will on that no, side of the ball? I don't. And and it's, it's sad. I mean, it's, you know, I, I just, I, I'm afraid that Bill, the older he gets, like, you know, when we've heard comments from him about like, you know, statistically, we were one of the best. Deep, you know, like what's he looking at? Like he used to, he used to be the most honest guy. And Mark, Mike Lombardi said this to guy to you guys at Radio Row, and he's right. Bill is honest. He's brutally honest about his roster. But I think there's certain things that he has a blind spot for, and I think linebackers. Like he just he hasn't evolved. Looking at the other, he he needs he needs to stop looking at the overall season. Just look against the Bills, the Bengal. You know, the better offenses that they've gone against. Look at your defense and be honest. All right. Five-point plan is in the books. We've written it down. We'll cross-reference it as we go, Maz. I give him a B-. minus. That's a pretty good grade for Maz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got the right elements, but the wrong order. All right. So <laughs> what do you think, folks? That and everything else we've hit on so far in hour one. Right to your phones after Murray's update. No commercials here. Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. 
When it comes to feeding your family, wouldn't it be nice if you could support your local farmers too? Walden Local Meat offers locally raised grass-fed beef and pasture-raised pork, chicken, lamb, and more, all from highly principled farmers in the Northeast, delivered to you each month. Walden's mission is to build a stronger, more connected food system from the pasture to your door. Learn more about their plan options and monthly specials at waldenlocalmeat.com.